Brennan Marcello sitting across from Michael Nislick. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast presented by WeHaveDonuts.com. Delicious donuts. They have donut walls. Get everything you want. They're located in Birmingham. They also deliver to coffee shops in Montgomery and Auburn, uh, specifically uh, the Prevail Union Coffee Shops. Delicious donuts. Check them out at WeHaveDonuts, D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T-S dot com. Michael, uh, Auburn football coming off of a 44-23 to victory against Ole Miss. One of those ho-hum games because you just expect Auburn to win and win by double digits, and uh, they did that. Some fans are upset about the second half. Uh, I don't really understand why, personally, because you've mentioned this before yourself, Michael. Gus Malzahn is not the type of guy that's going to run up the score on anybody, and they were calling plays conservatively because of that and then they were also playing backups late in the third quarter and then throughout the fourth quarter so I'm not exactly certain why there's such an outcry of of what's going on I have a theory why I think because of the Alabama won by more but Auburn fans should not be comparing scores in my opinion well yeah he said it was just based on like even on the early results when they went up so quickly that that's why they didn't weren't throwing deep uh earlier in the game, not even in the second half. So you could kind of see his philosophy. Um, and, you know, people were saying he was calling plays secretly in the second half. I just think it was more his philosophy dictated what Chip was doing a little bit, just kind of sh- shutting things down. You know, we talked about they left the starters in there for a long time, and part of me thinks that they left Malik Willis out because they are worried that he might break a couple of runs, and they did, they just wanted to literally shut it down and not score any more points because um, they didn't want to embarrass anybody. But uh, look, I think the more interesting well, you've been you've been I've been covering SEC for three years now. You've been covering quite a few more years than that. Where do you said Missouri was the worst team you've seen? Where does this old Miss team rank? Is it in the top five? No. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just outside the top five. Because that defense was. Defense really is really, bad. really bad. Really but bad. at least they have an they offensive players yeah. that are, are good. They, they just don't have a running game, which they've never had a running game under Hugh Freeze previously before he got fired but uh, or retired, resigned, whatever the hell you want to call it. He got fired. He got uh, caught <laughs> calling escorts. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Um, but, you know, it, it's. I still think Missouri is a worse team than Ole Miss. Do you know this is begs the question because I mean, what's what's there to say about that game? I mean, they won. Um, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The only thing to talk about is what fans are talking about is the is second it, half. But no, is it? Auburn fans feeling good. One four in a row. Yeah. Well, let's list those opponents: Mercer, Missouri, Mississippi yeah, State, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I even forgot who it was. Ole Miss. <laughs> you just forgot the game that happened um, Saturday. That's how not important it was to you. Brandon was sleeping the second half. I had to wake him up twice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, which uh, which begs the question: Is this four great game streak for real? Like, is it a like? Is it should they be feeling as good as they do? I mean, look, defense has played well all season. Offense is rolling now. But do you think this four game streak is a sort of meaningful measure of their success? Yes. Um, or me- measure of how talented they are and how good they are at this point in the season? Or do you think that, um, you know, they haven't been tested? I think it's a show that they have improved because Georgia Southern's worse than all those teams, I believe. And they didn't play well. And they didn't game. play very well in that game. And they worked out the kinks. I mean, 
it's hard to complete 80% of your passes even against air, and Jarrett Sinnott's been doing that in these last three, four games. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see how you can really discount incredibly well what Auburn's been able to do these last few weeks, even though the opponents have not been great. I think Mississippi State's good. I, I, I know. Think I think great. Mississippi State's the kind of the the, mo- the obviously the most talented but team out of the four. You're going to find out this week at LSU. But I mean, I, I, I'm just saying that in three years, I don't think I've covered worse teams than the Missouri and Ole Miss from from Auburn's perspective that they played uh, worse uh, opponents uh, in the SEC. Obviously. Okay, in the SEC, yeah. Um, uh, sure. And it just in 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 four game in a stretch of four games too. Um, yeah, not, a, I, not 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 a good stretch of opponents. I mean, we were talking in the press box just how bad uh, football that it was. You know uh, that they were pl- they get the teams they were playing. Um, well, listen, like I said, it was one of those ho hum games. Everybody expected what they expected, and it happened. But the thing fans are upset about for whatever reason is the second half performance. Well, they pushed the twenty one probably as well. <laughs> yeah, they did. They got to get their money. So, uh, but um, no, but I mean, listen, it's it's what to be expected. If they go to LSU and lay a freaking egg. And get beat by, you know. But doesn't the Florida win help that a little bit at least? Help what? Make that, if they were to lose to LSU, not as embarrassing. Because they were coming off the two losses. Yeah. They get mad? Like, how big, of a, how big of a seismic shift will a loss to LSU cause at this point? Fans will be pissed. Yeah. And then it'll certainly set up Auburn for potentially a four-loss season at best, maybe. Potentially, if you look at the schedule. I think to be honest, the the toughest game on the schedule, on the ga- on the road remaining this season is at Texas A and M. Yeah, well, they, they, it's they, not at they LSU. Scared Alabama a little bit. Yeah, but Alabama was in control that game. Uh, but it was competitive. I mean, it sure. was that that shows that something. But you never felt like Alabama was in trouble because Alabama's defense is just so damn good, and so is Auburn's defense. But I think what worries Auburn fans is that. The defense allowed 13 points in the fourth quarter against Ole Miss, but they did so with their backups in, and Ole Miss's starter still in the game. No, so if you're Gus Malzahn this week, you got this, you got this curse, hex, whichever you want to call it. It's on a this cigar team. curse. That's do what you, I've labeled do it. Do you bring cigars? I would. And Hell say yeah, this would. is what we're going to do. Gus, Gus won't do it because anything, but do you think, anything that's a vice, Gus will not do. That's true. Do you think <laughs> whether it's cussing or drinking or Kevin Steele? I don't know. Cigars. Kevin Steele having coached there a couple of years ago for a year. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Nah, probably But not. as like a motivational tactic of some sort. Because don't you have to do right. something? Because look, I mean, I, I, we, we, we were joking. You know what I would do? We're, what would you do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is it, is it appropriate for If I was Jared Stidham. You, he would bring cigars? I would buy cigars for all the starters. And I would hand them out. Do you think he can do that, or because he's sort of squeaky clean? Who would uh, who would be a better oh, candidate? Do I don't think he could do it. I don't think he would do it. Maybe him and Chandler Cox here's do it together. The, here's the problem: without shirts, make sure that Auburn doesn't buy the cigars because the NCAA jumped on their butt Did back they? in '99 for it, and they each had to pay like a dollar or something. Maybe <laughs> somebody on defense that have to do it. Maybe Trey Matt. I can see Trey Matthews doing something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I would do something this week. I think, it's been 18 years. Because you got to – and to maybe lighten the mood and to do something. Because I don't know. I, you know, and I know that, the, the, you know, the players are going to be like, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the last time they visited there, they just got demolished. Um, by Leonard Fournette. 
demolished. That and was, they've got a really good running back right now. But impressive of a running performance, as you'll see. Um, Here's the thing. I, I would just do something like that. I think that would be a way to sort of embrace the idea that, look, we know we have not played well there, and this program struggled, but this is different, and this is a new deal. Well, all right. And I know, like, these kids were three, and it doesn't matter. And so, we're, like, I get that. I was saying, if you're the coach staff, you do something like that. Yeah, but do you want to be known as the top ten Auburn team that went to LSU, that lost to Troy, and still lost to LSU? Oh, you got to win the game if you bring cigars. I'm not saying – I mean, I'm saying – I mean, I'm you just saying – win the game if you bring cigars. And just say you brought them just because you like cigars. brought cigars to places before and lost. But have we brought them to LSU since? Um, Seems that would be a good follow-up piece. I don't know. By the award-winning author who wrote the story. Uh, I'm trying to remember, honestly. I can't remember. I don't think they brought them back in 2001. LSU was very pissed off they brought cigars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2001, yeah, yeah. they beat the... They didn't beat the crud out of Auburn, but it was for the SEC West Championship. That game was moved from September because of 9-11. They oh, okay. moved it to the – it was the last game of the season oh, so after the Iron Bowl, crazy I believe. And so it was a crazy environment, and the winner of that game won the SEC West. I'm just saying that would be a way – I mean, I look, I said, I don't think Gus would do it just because it's not his – No, but if I was a player, I'd be – Or the defense. I think it I'd would chop be off some d- cigars. Defense, uh, I'd bring cigars. I don't think Gus would like, but I don't think any of the players know that or care. I, the only thing here's the only here's the only thing that's being said this week in the, in the freaking locker room. Gus Malzahn made a speech today to them. Auburn hasn't won there since '99. It's about time we break that streak. That's heart, about it. I mean, like my heart skipped a beat. It was so inspired. I <laughs> but I would, if I was Gus this week, I'd bring in players from that '99 team. Do I'd, something. I didn't see if Tommy something. Tuberville would come in and talk to the team. He probably would. He would. Gus wouldn't do that, though. Sharing the spotlight like that? Well, well, no, not that. But I don't know if anybody in this building would let him in unless he was working a game for ESPN. <laughs> to be very, I'm being very honest. Really? I don't know if anybody would let him in the building. And, you know, Gus been kind of picky about who gets to speak and everything. No, he's not. Not based off the people I know that have spoken here. No, I meant speaking publicly for the team right now. What do you mean? Pu- what? I'm talking about people that go motivate. Them. Oh yeah, no, they they let anybody in. But I'm just yeah, saying, like, yeah. Gus has been picky about who he allows to talk about this team, and Tommy. Okay, might come what's that out. have to do with anything? Because Tommy might say, you know, he talked to him and take credit for like their win or something. He might be worried what about. The, why the hell would Tuberville do that? Because he inspired him. So, do you think he would really say, do that and say I that? I doubt it. Maybe. No, he wouldn't. Have Jay Jacobs speak. Uh, have a tent revival. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't read. Uh, for your eyes only from Friday at AuburnUndercover.com, you need to. Apparently, there was a meeting inside the athletics department, which we are sitting outside of right now on a Sunday night, and which uh, was more like a, quote, tent revival, according to one source that was in the meeting. Jay Jacobs quoting scripture, asking for staffers prayers. to pray for the Myers family and, and for Chuck Person. person. Uh, interesting stuff. But uh, I digress. Um so Auburn's going to LSU. They haven't won there since '99. Are uh, you bringing cigars to the game just to, to have them in the press box? No. Are they allowed? Maybe there? I should. That would that would piss people off, wouldn't it? Um, uh, you know, maybe I will. Could you just know. imagine lighting up a cigar <laughs> in the press box? Like, like I thought it was 1952. Well, they used to. Uh, I don't know if they do anymore. But they used to serve beer in there yeah. to the uh, reporters after oh, the game. Oh. They missed out. Toss out Miller Lights. <laughs> Like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin That'd or something. Cool. You should do that. I don't know if they do that anymore, though. You should. We should put on music. You should come in the press box and just give somebody a stunner and drink a beer. <laughs> and see what happens. My God, that's Brandon's music. 
But uh, anyway, it's going to be an interesting week. Auburn opened the week as a six-point favorite. That that line went up to nine and a half, and that dropped back to six, all within a period of like two hours. So I don't know if a lot of people know what to make of this game. You would think – I well, mean, LSU, because LSU's changed basically to week-to-week. Week and Well, here's the thing. Showing uh, some very th- weakness. I believe weakness. that LSU's getting back on track, not necessarily because they beat Florida, but because uh, Matt Canada seems to finally have control of the offense. I think Ed Orgeron was meddling a little bit, and it was hurting them. That's weird. And they expanded things a little bit. Based off what I've read and heard – no, I'm um, just saying, that, like, where else has that happened before? Well, uh, practically every program, to be quite honest, including Auburn. I was being facetious. I know that. But, you know, uh, it seems like Matt Cannon has finally got control of his offense. And, uh, listen, Dave Aranda, as we all know, is a great defensive coordinator. Problem is, is I just think LSU is pretty soft up front on both sides. Even Arden Key seems like a step slow this year. I, 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 I can't make sense of it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it would be a disappointment if Auburn goes to LSU and loses even if it's by a field goal or something. That's a game, talent-wise and coaching-wise, Auburn should win by two touchdowns. Yeah, probably. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But it's at LSU, so I mean that's I don't know if it's going to happen. Ten points is uh, tough. I really don't know what to predict in that game right now. I think Auburn's going to win. Are you going to predict LSU? Are no, predict I think LSU? Auburn's going to win. I just It could be a nail-biter. It's really going to depend on how guys like Jarrett Stidham respond. They can't turn the ball over, I'll tell you that. No, they've done better about that. So, it'll be interesting. Um, Let's shift to basketball before we go maybe back to football here and then take some listener questions. What's going on with basketball, Mike? The FBI is probing Chuck Person in the program. Probing. Probing. Yipes. Um, Everybody's sort of... uh, Everything's fine. Everything's sort of uh, okay. uh, (laughs) Now, look. I mean, I don't know. They're practicing as if... I love hearing that from reporters. I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, it's like more. I don't know what to say about it because it's like I mean, would I, what if I were running a program? Would that be the tactic I would take? No, and I don't understand it necessarily. But they're practicing as with the players they have, and until somebody tells them otherwise, that that that's what they're going to operate under. They're not discussing it, not uh, um, sorting it impact their strategy about who's practicing where or what the first team is or second team is and um, wasn't discussed on the recruiting visits that they had or at least one of them uh, that I talked to this week um, this weekend it was uh, they had five five players on campus or at least five bigger names on campus for the uh, Ole Miss game and uh, talked to one of them last night and uh, didn't come up and uh, wasn't brought up by the coaching staff so it's sort of uh, you know we kind of joked about Bruce Pearl used the phrase business as usual in his first press conference afterwards, that. and that's kind of what it's been like. And um, even at the, they had a, an event for donors uh, Friday night, and from what I've been told, it was sort of talked about a very sort of like, you know, a joke here or there, like a Phillips story, and that was about it. And, uh, you know, that NCAA thing is how it was referred to. So... Um, yeah, it's just a thing. You know, and that's where we're at. Chuck Person, we uh, reported um, that uh, his wife filed for divorce a day after he was arrested by the FBI. Um, and they had their initial hearing uh, in Lee County on Friday. We were there at the courthouse. Uh, he did not attend. Uh, his lawyer was there, and the lawyer is one of them that's representing him in district court in New York on Tuesday. Um, that lawyer and his wife and his wife's lawyer asked to be escorted out the back so they didn't have to talk to media. 
Um, and now the, the proceedings in that case uh, were sealed, So, um, which is interesting because if some of the things and some of the um, – you know, things that come out of that could be relating to the case or could touch on the case, on the uh, federal case and some of that stuff. So, but we won't know because that's been sealed for now. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. We're just kind of waiting for the next thing. Um, Austin Wiley's, I guess, would be the would last. We, we didn't talk about the last time we talked. He's in a boot and he's injured. Um, and two weeks is the timeline they have. It's a stress injury, not a stress fracture. And not necessarily related to the previous stress fracture. He had the same leg, but a stress injury. So make of that what you will. Stress injury sounds more like a headache. Well, yeah, like your wife has a stress injury when you've nagged her too much or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So it's, it's strange, I would think, is the way to kind of describe everything. Because you're covering practice knowing that uh, two players are most likely going to not be there. But at the same time, if this drags on, I guess there'll be a decision to be made. Uh, November 10th is their first game. What do you do then? Um, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what guidance they're getting either from the athletic department because the athletic department is not really handling it. It's the law firm. Right. And the NCAA has contacted Auburn. But what does that mean? The NCAA, I mean, and that's the other thing. This was kept a secret from the NCAA. So what are they going to learn? And they're not investigating just one program now with this. I mean, there's sort of tentacles all over. And Bruce Feldman reported last week that there's more arrests expected. So I don't know what the NCAA is going to have to wait. How, you know, how are they going to get more traction on this than Auburn? Well, or a law firm that's kind of specialized in this. I'll just say this as I've completely always say about the NCAA. The NCAA is inept and uh, with, as you said, their tentacles spread out trying to figure everything out. I mean, they're playing catch up on this. They had no yeah. idea that this was going well, on. Oh, yeah. So, well, I mean, that and they're like, so, they don't have enough staff and and, it's a, and, and the school's going to be asking uh, for some clarity before their seasons begin here in the next and it's an ongoing federal investigation, so it's like, how much is the, the FBI and the district attorney going to give the NCAA yeah. Uh, they're not going to make witnesses available. <laughs> they're not going to. Uh, that could be tampering and things like that. So yeah. I don't know what the. I, it's it's going to be kind of a, I think a crazy situation. Um, just not that it isn't already, but just right. the idea that, um, you know, you kind of think about it. Look, the law firm is doing a review of a review of the softball program that's ongoing and has no end in sight, and it's sort of like. How, are they moving? As like, I mean, are they putting extra people on it? Because do they care about that? There's a deadline with the the the, uh, the first game. Is that you know? Do they are they operating under that? I would think of? so. I think I would think that they would try to do that. But I mean, otherwise. or are they just saying, look, it's going to take as long as it takes because we want to be we're a law firm. That's how we operate. We well, do here's the right. thing: is some of those schools would do it. Maybe they will. Uh, they would just be like, uh, you don't have anything for us first game. We're just going to keep playing these guys, and it's your fault. You didn't let us know. If they're in health, because the other thing is you don't want to pay. Th- I mean, the min- the minute you take them out of a game, you've said that they're, yeah, guilty by association at least, not necessarily guilty of the charges, but those are the guys that are implicated, and those are the guys that might be guilty, and so yeah, and it's not proven right yet. Uh, so it's, it's all like, allegations, right? It's a- allegations. I mean, obviously more substantive than somebody that somebody like FBI does not file charges right. unless it's it's not. I heard somebody bought a shoe, or I heard somebody yeah. gave somebody a shoe. Um, or a car, or a lease. Um, this is, 
surveillance issue. Yeah, it's just an issue. Surveillance video and wiretapped phone calls. Um, so obviously more serious allegations. Um, but uh, I don't know what you do. And I know I don't. I think the I think the basketball staff is sensitive to the idea that look, if you take them out and you're not sure, or you know, you might say we're not going to suspend them. Um, you've already kind of done damage to their career and character. Well, all right. Well, anyway, Bruce Pearl apparently said inside an athletic department meeting last week, a uh, regularly scheduled meeting, he walked in and someone was sitting in his seat. And according to a source told our Philip Marshall, he joked, uh, I haven't been fired yet. Yeah. Uh, but so, I think that's how he's approaching it. That's how, that's what it is. Well, he's got a. We all know his past, so obviously that's hanging over him right now. So it's going to be honestly we until uh, we get here more some substantive information besides the thirty-two page complaint, which is uh, serious enough. Uh, it's about where Auburn sits. It's where we sit right now. I'm sure a lot of people in that building are still holding their hands up in the air, wondering what's going to happen. Uh, moving back to football, uh, you know, I think Auburn's figuring some things out with the run game, mm-hmm. and I think mostly because Carryon Johnson's help seems to be much closer to full health and that offensive line <clears throat> with Casey Dunn uh, at center uh, and Austin Golson at tackle seems to be doing much better. Big question now is though, is that, are they going to get Mike Horton back at left guard? Mike Horton was hurt, injured his ankle, re-aggravated it actually. He was injured in practice uh, in the third quarter, about midway through the third quarter against Ole Miss. And so they had to switch things up again on the offensive line, but the best looking offensive lineup they've had was this one against uh, Ole Miss to start the game, and they rushed for 324 yards or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Ole Miss's defense is obviously atrocious, but you build confidence, and, and Carryon Johnson certainly seems to be getting healthy. He believes he's going to be near 100% healthy at LSU. He certainly looked healthier this week than he did last week. Um, he rushed for a career-high 204 yards. But do you, do you think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they have been against LSU, which has had a weak run defense this season, um, and then in these further road games at A&M and Arkansas? I want playing healthy backs, I think, helps. Um, the, the change now to Cameron probably to sit him and kind of rest him, I think will be a, a big step. Um, I was surprised they let carry on carry at 28 times. They had, one of the last drives, he had a kid, like 10 touches. Um I guess they're really confident that he's not going to re-injure that hamstring. So um, I think as long as he's healthy, I think this team's going to run better um, with the line. Um, you know, it seems like Golson can kind of handle whatever. So, I mean, that right side sort of stabilized. So I don't know that uh, everything would fall apart if Mike Horton had to sit, but I think he'll be – I mean, I think he'll be healthy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um I don't believe Cameron Petway will play this week, the no. running back. Uh, Gus Malzahn finally came out and said Saturday at the game that their approach was wrong, uh, an indirect quote here, uh, with the way they were handling Cameron Petway, where they would try to rest him a little bit, then give him some carries, and it just wasn't working is what he said. And it was obvious to the naked eye that that was the case. I mean, they gave him 34 carries against Mercer. I made the, the point on Twitter during that game, like, are they punishing him for something? Because – he is not 100%. Yeah. Why are they giving him the ball this much? And I think if Auburn could go back in the past, which they can't, <laughs> uh, based off the last they thing I heard, time. they would have uh, Cameron Petway have surgery uh, during week two. Now, we reported Auburn undercover Friday night. 
um, no longer VIP since it's been out there, but uh, a source told me that uh, there, there was discussions about Petway having surgery earlier this season, and everybody decided against it because he'd have to sit out at least four weeks, likely. And at that point, it'd be about the road trip to LSU or maybe further down the road when he'd be available. And they didn't want to risk it because Kerryon Johnson was injured. Remember, he set out the week two game at Clemson with his hamstring injury. But I would think that if, you know, Kerryon Johnson was 100% healthy, they probably would have went ahead with the surgery. And we wouldn't really be talking about this. We might be talking about the return of Cameron Petway this week instead of now Cameron Petway being on the bench. But it begs the question, why were they so unsure of what Cam Martin and Malik Miller could do to not have confidence they could handle, especially in a bad stretch of game? I mean, look, they were playing terrible teams. and that's, I believe I think they screwed I believe up. there are two factions in play there, so to speak, with the offensive mm-hmm. uh, staff. I, I, yeah. I'm taking it Mezzone didn't want the surgery. I just think there are two factions of some sort. Klingons and Vulcans. <laughs> The Borg came in and said resistance is futile. That's right. Uh, but I, 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 they probably should have had the surgery because at this point, Petway will never be 100% again uh, this season. And that's too bad because, you know, he came into the season saying he was down to, what, 8% body fat, he was faster, yeah. you know, all this. Then he got injured, and now he's not going to be 100% for the rest of the season, I would think. So – that leaves it to carry on Johnson and Cam Martin to carry the load now. It's, and will carry on be able to do 28 carries a game for I, it's gonna be interesting. stretch? And, but it's important now for Cam Martin when he's getting more involved now. He had nine carries against Ole Miss. Eli Stove's obviously getting about two, three carries a game, it yeah. seems like. They're getting him more involved. Malik Miller had a few carries late in the game. But the top two backs now are carry on Johnson and Cam Martin, and they will continue to be. Now, if Carrion Johnson were to go down with injury, I think Auburn's in big trouble. Oh, the same last as last year. It'd be big trouble. All of a sudden, this team would start – the identity would be lost a little bit. I think they would have to start throwing the ball a little bit more. And I think Auburn could do Bring it. Bring back that toss play to Chandler Cox do that. that they used Don't ever do that. Over. No, don't ever do that. No more toss plays. But, uh, man, it's just so important. I mean – uh, Chandler Cox, speaking of Chandler Cox, he, he said at the night that Gus Malzahn, while he was saying, hey, you know, it's been 18 years since Auburn last won at LSU. Also, we've got to stay healthy these next three weeks. It's going to be interesting to see how they uh, play, who, which players they play, how long they play them. You're always what type one of play away from the Malik Willis era. Don't, don't forget. That's very true. Uh, so, suddenly, thin at quarterback, obviously, after Sean White was booted, thin at running back. And I didn't think we'd be saying that at any point this season. Um, so keep an eye on that. Well, this I think week. Tarvis Whitlow's out of his boot, so maybe he'll be available. Uh, no, I don't, th- I don't think he's ready. I was. Being I got you. <laughs> okay, let's go to some listener questions. Bailey Rogers on the Twitter machine asks. Why receivers are finally getting separation? Is it a product of improvement or just bad secondaries? Could be a little of both. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. Though, I'll say this, Mississippi State apparently, at least on paper, had the number nine pass defense in the country. And Jarrett Stidham Not no more. and the receivers carved them up, remember, uh, just uh, a week and a half ago or whatever that was. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the receivers have done a better job of getting separation. I uh, also think the offensive line's done a better job of protecting Stidham 
which is allowing him to stand back there longer and see his receivers get open. Uh, Martin Shipman asks, and we actually kind of already hit on this, tougher test at LSU or at Texas A&M? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at that Texas A&M, that one could be, uh, without the sort of the streak and things like that, some of the extra stuff, I think you look at Texas A&M, you say at the culmination of a of a month on the road, uh, and a Texas A M team that seems to be playing pretty well and developing under a freshman quarterback, getting a little better. Um, maybe that's going to be the tougher test, uh, and that's not an easy place to play either. So, um, but LSU is not going to be easy just because of all the stuff that comes with it. I agree. I think A and M is going to be tougher. Uh, T O Gray asks if you could add any. Auburn player from any era to this team, except for Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, who would you add? Uh, maybe Terry Beasley, receiver, give him an extra threat. Uh, if not him, Trey Mason, running back. They have running back issues. Yeah, in fact, I go with Trey Mason. Give me Trey Mason. He's the best running back to come through here since Bo, in my opinion. And I'm counting Caddy in there and, and all those guys. I think – I think he was that good. I think Trey Mason's the best running back Auburn's had since Bo Jackson. Well, you throw like a Nick Farley in here or something Farley? on that defense. Who's Nick Farley? What did I say? Fairly? Fairly. Fairly, whatever, Farley. Chris Fairley? Remember Chris that Farley. comedian? No, you put him on that defense, Another a big playmaker. Yeah, but they, they're not struggling for a guy like that. But if you helped out. But you make their defense not just great. You make them next level. Make them great again. Memorable, mem- memorably one of the best ever. I still go with Trey Mason on offense. Offense will be unstoppable. Trey Mason then or Trey Mason now? Then. Uh, Amanda Warren asks, seems like there is a big variation between the play calling now and the play calling in the Clemson game. How much of that is Chip versus – or Gus versus Chip? Uh, Chip Lindsey, as we reported, took over the play calling uh, after the Clemson game. We reported that. I think others have jumped on board that. I thought Gus said he didn't call the plays. Anyway – Chip Lindsey took full control of the offense after the Clemson game. We reported that going into that next game, and show enough, it happened. And I remember you could see Chip it. Lindsay. Didn't we used to talk to that guy? I remember talking to him once. We don't get to talk to coordinators anymore. Nope. Um, so, yeah. Kevin wants to know, how much has Auburn improved since game one? Quite a bit. I say so, too. And I think the biggest thing, to be honest, is that Jared Stim's a lot more comfortable um, like I said, I think back when they lost to Clemson, I said if that Clemson game was week six, might have turned out a little differently because uh, Jarrett didn't look like he was ready for that game just after having that big layoff. So um, he looks much more comfortable in the pocket. I mean, they're given obviously lines playing better and receivers are playing better, but um, he just looks comfortable now. He does. And our final question, and the fact is we'll, we'll probably just end the podcast on this, Wes Siner. He asks, thoughts on Blade Runner 2049. Now, I understand, Michael, you went on a date with Wes <laughs> after the game Saturday night. No, no, no. Held hands. No, we, shared we saw Shared popcorn today. bucket. No, separate popcorns. Um, and, uh, well, you guys drink out the same Sprite? Two straws, but, yeah, obviously. Okay. And not Sprite. Come um, on, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, okay. Let's um, not be lewd. Uh, what did you think of Blade Runner 2049? That was pretty terrific. Um, haven't had time to sort of digest it. And it's been a long time since I saw the uh, the original. So um, some of the, I would imagine there were some things that I probably missed that were um, 
extra references and things like that. But it was really good. It was, it was an interesting sequel that was sort of not a sequel and was a sequel at the same time. Um, it was its own thing. Um, I thought Ryan Gosling was great. Um, I mean, the director, who's just been kind of on fire uh, the last kind of couple of years, hasn't done anything bad. Um, beautiful movie. Great score. I, I mean, it's really good. Good sci-fi film. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I saw it, when was it? Friday night? Late Friday night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I don't think you necessarily need to see the first movie to see this, but I, I would anyway. I'd watch the Final Cut version that was released in 2007. But uh, I thought Blade Runner 2049 was better than the original because it wasn't as slow as the first one. And it still had some twists in there and some... I thought it had much better moments yeah. that you'll remember than the, the original Blade Runner. And and most of those came uh, from Ryan Gosling. And it was long. I mean, it could have been a little shorter. It was like it's two, two hours, hours and 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was long. Uh, longer today because they put they played the wrong movie at the start for us, <laughs> Flatliners. Uh, we were very confused. We didn't think Ellen Page was Congrats. in it. Congrats. Now and, five people have seen Flatliners. Yeah. Um, but listen to this last three movies that Dennis, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Villanueva, I don't think that's right, uh, has done Blade Runner, Arrival, which was just, oh my goodness, yeah, and uh, Sicario, which I don't think I'm saying right. He did Sicario? But, yeah. And that was just- uh, I didn't know he did Sicario. That was one of the best movies of that year that I saw. Um, I haven't seen it. He did, and before that he did Enemy and Prisoners. I have not seen either of those. Prisoners, he did Prisoners? Prisoners is a very dark movie about- Is that movie with movie like, Hugh Jackman? Yeah, child- Oh my kid. God, that movie! And that, I haven't seen that movie for specific reasons because I have children and I don't yeah, want to see that. That's, you're a wuss. That's rough. So uh, Enemy I have not seen, so- I've seen um, that. He did prisoners. Uh, he did Gosh, prisoners. Darn. So those are his last. Fu- that's his Whoa. last. Yeah. So prisoners, he's, man. He's uh. Woo. He's uh. That movie. He's good. Hugh Jackman just going, falling into the abyss. Yeah, that's becoming not, a uh, drunk. I don't want to hear about it. So kidnapping um, a guy he thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um. But uh, pretty good streak. Um, yeah. And yeah. Blade Runner it extends that. It was good. Great film, and I just I loved it. Gosling's. Ryan His eyes said so much. No, no. Well, it did a little bit, but also. Well, that scene, no, the scene where uh, in the, uh, it was not interrogation, but when he was asking about a dream or a memory, when they just had his face on it. Yeah, and he was. That was really good. good. Yeah, that was, was really good. good. That was good. Um, also like the new uh, thing where they put him, put him back in the baseline. Yeah, that was really good. That's too. really cool. Yeah, addition it was intense. That yeah, yeah, was really yeah. good. I like that. Um, I thought everybody was great in that film. Yeah, very good. Uh, but yeah, the, the general theme of just replicants being somewhat human, but of course they don't—they know that their memories are not real. And then, then, then it comes into question whether actually maybe they are real from the past, and then, real, and then being empty still, and trying to even Ryan Gosling's character, who's a replicant in the movie, not. A little bit of a spoiler, but they... That's not a spoiler. It's in the they, opening scroll. It's like so opening scroll. It's like he's a replicant. Uh... But he, uh, you know, everything from the beginning when his girlfriend is a hologram and he tries to make her real and he finally grasps the idea of having something in his life and being real and then he loses it again. It further intensifies the emptiness. Then there's twists and turns along the way and then, then there's a fight scene near the end that... Not really a fight scene. It's just like a 
the stakes are high and there's things going on and then a fight erupts it's really well choreographed and well filmed and it was, deals with water and that's hard and to Brandon, direct around Brandon likes water <laughs> well i'm just saying it's hard to direct around water and make it consistent no, because of what saying. was going on you know it's what I mean? wet well, the, the the level of the water depended on the scene. I mean, that's hard to direct, especially yeah. from all the different setups they were doing. So anyway, that director's setups. amazing. Setups, look at you, technical talk. Wow. Whoa. I told, Woo! I, you know, it, it pissed me off after I left the theater, though, because I was like, God, that's so good. Why can't a director like that? Because the movie was made by Sony, which is a terrible studio. Horrible. I, I wish a guy like that would have been put in charge of doing the RoboCop seat, uh reboot mm. which was done by sony we'll have a vision like that for at least that have some vision yeah. which would have made it more interesting. well and they had a clear take on it and uh really scott deserves a lot of that because well, really scott had a clear that's interesting because ridley scott has just destroyed one of his other famed franchise and so alien did um, you see where they're going to do another well if they do another sequel to covenant what he's yeah. going to do i didn't see what he's going to do but he's already said that it's been three there's three more movies before they get to the first he says one. the next one's going to be the, the, ne- the next movies after this it's not going to be so much about the aliens it's going to be about AI, which the last movie pretty much was. It's just insane. But it's going to even be even so. More. But knowing that was was ironic is how well Blade Runner turned out. Considering hit that that franchise, he revisited. He's dragged it through the mud and back again. Well, it's because he put a visionary director in charge of it. It's true. It helps. Movies are the vision of the directors, not the executive producers. It never is. Whenever I see trailers saying from the producers of, I don't, I don't pay any attention to that. Tell me who the director is, because he can make a bad. But even the story, but the. His ideas for the aliens was not, you know, if he had the idea for Blade Runner, sure, he gave it to somebody else in the next year. But the the baseline idea, well, baseline, going back to it, uh, for the alien sequels was not uh, not Well, the great. baseline idea of Blade Runner 2049 is pretty simple. It's 30 years later. Yeah, but. And there's new replicants. But that's not, I, don't, I think the, the baseline was the, well, I, I can't, can't, I don't want to spoil it. it. So but I think that was the baseline. Progression. That was the, I got that. That I, was the hook. I had that in my head that that was going to happen in one of the cuts of the original Blade Runner when they're driving but I'm just saying, he down didn't, the roadside. He, whatever there, hook he had for the alien thing, he got lost and just destroyed Listen, it. Listen, Master of Filmmakers and he's had a, their own work well, his, sometimes. His, 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 his film resume has had a lot of more hits. I mean, uh, misses than hits. Uh, he can Robin do. Hood. He could do great, great, great things, but then he'll have ten years where it's just yeah. Dreadfully. I still wasn't that much of a fan of Gladiator, to be honest. Hmm. So I mean, I don't know. Ridley Scott's. I I dig his style. I just don't know if I really love his movies. Yeah. But uh, even the original Blade Runner, I liked it. But this movie, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, it was obvious this director had much more to tell in this story yeah. whether it was the simple things as the hologram and the rain and the snow and the feel and touch of things and you like to be touched and then <laughs> uh well the uh, well the interesting thing is he's talking about doing dune next and that's a property uh, i have that, no that is something you should not touch i have no attachment to or sort how of reference point that? for how can you do that in a film but I'm just saying, like I don't, I don't have any connection to that property. So it's well, like it's so that dense. does that does nothing for. And I heard, I mean, it's like a, I don't like doing. Either, you need to do so TV dense. or miniseries, yeah. what and they've done fans it twice. Do. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's weird. That's a weird thing. But uh, that's what they're talking about. So it'll be interesting to see whatever he's not doing next. I mean, I'm not going to write off because uh, I was kind of down on this before, you know, knowing what Ridley did to the aliens really? and. Yeah, I mean the previews. I was uh, okay on it because I knew there'd be he wasn't directing. I was just a little worried. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying is that if it didn't, well, what what kind of 
film would turn out to be, and it was terrific. So. Yeah. The opening, Thanks for the question, Wes. Yeah. And we had a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> the opening of the movie wasn't so did so well. They're expecting like up to maybe fifty five million. It'll open to like thirty one million. Oh, that's over. But overseas, if it'll hit it and whatever. It'll yeah, be probably so. Um, you, you haven't watched the Justice League trailer. I watched it without the sound on because I didn't want to. I just I, it <laughs> then was you like didn't see it. It was like well yeah, but I don't want to. I can't do it. They put another rock song in the background. That's, that's a cover. A oh god. But I'll say this. I'll say this. It's better than the together one. Look, that movie looks terrible. It doesn't look great. And the special effect, like, look, and I, you could debate whether you like that they're what they're doing or whatever, but yeah. I don't think you could debate the fact that the special effects are not ready for the special time. effects would look better if there were practical sets involved with some of those because if you saw because the all the, I guarantee that that movie probably cost two hundred million dollars more than the Blade Runner budget, and Blade Runner was a beautiful film with sets that were equally as fake. But uh, I thought the atmosphere and everything, like when when Gosling was walking down the street, or you you sort of felt that everything was real. Whereas in Justice League, you look at it five seconds of that trailer, you just think that's just grotesque. The best moment of that entire trailer, by is the way, when it ends. is the oh. <laughs> Is the opening when they're actually standing in a practical set in a corn? Well, field. yeah, the stuff with the um, Wonder Woman in a bank rob, a bank uh, stopping a bank robbery looks interesting. But I mean, that's not going to be what the movie's like because everything else is outside and he doesn't use outside sets. But what can you do when it's involving Steppenwolf and the sky's red? Don't use Steppenwolf. <laughs> sure, sure. What do you do? Who do you? What would you have used? Who's the antagonist? Uh, and I have to think. I mean, Lex Luthor would be the ideal sort of antagonist. Jesse Eisenberg. Not that Lex Luthor. I'm just a real Lex Luthor. Um, yeah, but he would have to have some big plan that would involve some destruction and things, right? I don't know. One of the best Justice League stories to me, which you could do and you could replace the villain, was... Uh, Flashpoint. No, uh, <laughs> Tower of Babel. And Ra's al Ghul is the villain. And so Batman has... Uh, the, story, the setup of the story is he sends Talia, his daughter, to, into the Batcave to steal... Uh, Bruce Wayne's Batman's plans because Batman to kill has, everybody. Batman has plans to take Justice down League. everyone in the Justice League, and the opening the, the opening issue of the miniseries is is Ra's al Ghul's men taking out every member of the Justice League with the way Batman had scripted, uh, and so wow. um, it's really really good. Yeah, and then the conclusion the conclusion is, is 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 funny because it's all it's not there's an action scene, but dead? but the, no, but the, <laughs> the half the, the second half of the the last issue of the series is them just debating whether to kick Batman out of the Justice League for I've what he did. I've seen the cartoon Maybe they did a ver- spin-off of it. I, I don't think. think they did a direct adaptation. But I know, but I've seen This has been riffed on a little bit. Um, yeah, because I remember they... I, I don't know which one it was, but they were in the... Uh, why am I forgetting the name of it? Not the Hall of Justice. Is the Hall of Justice... What's, what's so they've got the, the satellite. They've got the... the satellite. Yeah, They're yeah. on it, and they're voting yeah. to, whether to vote them out. It was yeah. So and Superman hands him a piece of kryptonite and says, "I still trust you." Yeah, that well, yeah, they did do that for the cartoon. Yeah. But that wasn't a direct. That was a. Okay. They used the storyline, but yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, it Seems like I've read. I think they this. used uh, Vandal Savage for that. Maybe yes, they did. Um, he was uh, doing something in a. Jungle. He's an immortal. So this yeah. is really getting deep, deep cuts here. But something like that, where you could cut. I, you know, I like Vandal I'd, Savage. I think uh, no, not Vandal Savage. I'm just saying that storyline like would have. Uh, I think they're better. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. And especially if you set it up. But that's why I always said going into it, the second movie with Batman versus Superman and then the Justice League. Yeah. Like, you'd have to have the, where the Avengers did it, where you have all those solo movies, then you do that yeah. kind of movie. But there's a reason to bring them together. So. The problem, the problem is the only thing that's hooking me in this movie was actually this last trailer because of the beginning with Clark Kent. Well, you're going to go and you're going to buy I'm it. I'm still going to go. Cry, not no, for not. good no, reasons. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to cry for good reasons. The only thing that hooked me was her seeing Clark Kent in the field and then realizing it was a dream because he's standing there because you haven't listened to a freaking audio on. He's standing there. I know what it was. I got. I knew it was a dream well, the minute I was playing it. I but he's sitting there and he stupid. turns around he's, and he's just, he just has his back to her and he says, I take it that means Why you, would you she care? Yes. He was a monster that killed millions of people. <laughs> I'd be like, thank God he's gone. Get rid of the rest she of them. She didn't think that and he wasn't a monster. He didn't kill millions of people. She's basically dead. <laughs> I would like to see Matthew Vaughn's take on Superman. I would not want to see that in a million years. Why? Oh, what do you want to see, see that's involved DC? Nothing. Like I want to see them all. I would burn it to the ground. Do your job. There's not one DC movie you like. No, because that, that leadership's there, and I think it's going to be the yeah, same bad. They, did they do something to you? They ruined it. They ruined the comics. They ruined the movies. They ruined they the toys. The they just, just burned it to the ground. They did not ruin the comics. They did. Makes me sad. So you don't like the Dark Knight trilogy? That was before the, they changed the leadership. Okay. You don't like Jeff Johns at all? No. I like him. I used to, but now he lost his touch. You're insane. I'm just saying. You still haven't seen Wonder Woman? No. I won't. Someone was in our neighborhood, like, screening it outside. They like a projector out. My That's wife weird. drove by it Friday night and was like, I seriously, she said I seriously thought about pulling over and just getting my chair out of the back of the car and just watching it. Also weird. She loves that movie. That's weird. Wonder Woman's awesome. It's a great movie. You should see it, Man. but you won't. Hard you're pass. Sexist. All right. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, sexist Michael Nizelik. <laughs> You've been listening to the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello and Michael, I Hate Everything, DC and Warner Brothers, Nizelik. Uh This has been presented by WeHaveDonuts.com. Go to AuburnUndercover.com for full coverage. Sign up for a Seven-day free trial subscription. Get all kinds of scoop because we scoop, scoop, scoop. Two scoops of raisins. And maybe some bits. Maybe some bits. But maybe not. How many flavors does Baskin-Robbins have? I don't know. We don't have that many flavors. But we do have the good flavors. I don't know what that means. Okay. Goodbye.